0: Welcome to Bangalore Bible Center, a church dedicated to loving God and serving people. Today we have our guest minister, Phillips Stayanadi, ministering from the word on intentionally raising our standards in a walk with God. We believe this word will be a blessing to you.
1: So as we begin This morning, I'm going to ask you very difficult questions, not for you to answer. It's not theological questions, don't worry. He said, I am a teacher. I, I am a teacher. I love to teach. I love to preach. But these are not questions for you to answer me, but to answer to yourself the answers that you can find as I ask this question. And some of these questions are very hard. So I'm going to just by the warning, saying it's hypothetical. it just so that I can illustrate a point, and I can get you to think, and I can get you to think about yourself, and about what God has called you to. It's not, I'm not a, I don't pride myself in saying I have a gift of prophecy. So as I ask these questions, don't think that I am prophesying over you or anything. You know, we are in the seventh week of 2021, Right? We have 45 weeks ahead left. We've been through 2020, 52 weeks already. We're in the beginning of New Year and I'm sure some of you are still busy wishing each other Happy New Year. (laughs) Seven weeks have gone by and just to ask ourselves this question, there is a sense of a new beginning that God has brought us into in 2021. And 2021 is significant because it's not just a Beginning of a new year, it's a beginning of a new decade. It's a beginning of a new chapter in the human era. When 2000 happened, I remember still Y2K and this. Some of you may not remember, you were not born. Okay. So I still remember the big hangama that happened world over 2000. All computers will crash, flights will crash and this and that. All kinds of fears that came in. And already we are in 2021. But the question to ask ourselves is this, what if, now I want to warn you, I'm just hypothetically asking this, what if tomorrow is the last day for you to live on the face of the earth? You have 24 hours left. What are some of the things that you will do in that last 24 hours of your life? You don't have to answer me. Think for yourself. What if you're left just with 24 hours and God says, Tomorrow, son, my daughter, is your last day here and you're going to be with me? What are some things that you will do? You know, the answer to that question shows the purpose for which you are living. What you would like to do in the next 24 hours, if you crunch it down, cutting down everything else, and say, this is what I want to do, that shows the purpose for which we live. Just imagine, you pass passed from here, you're going before God, and you're standing in front of God, and God asks you a question. My son, my daughter, tell me three things that you did well in 2020 and in the seven weeks of this year. What are the three significant things? Three things that you really are happy about, proud about. What are those three things? I don't know if you're struggling to think of the three things or three things just jumps to you. It again depends on how purposeful lives we have lived. What are the three things that you regret? saying, I wish if I had got that time to live that 52 weeks again, one more year again, what are some things that I will do? I wish I had done as a regret. You know, every day when I pass by to go to my office, which is in Koramangla, I live in Lingarajpuram, I have to pass by the most important place in Bangalore, and that's the Hosur Road Cemetery. That's a place, believe me, all of us own a land, three by six. (laughs) Whether you you own it or not, Pastor Pritchie will ensure you own it (laughs) one day. Right? But you know what? That's just not a graveyard of bodies buried there. It's a graveyard of wishes buried there. People who said, I wish I could do this, I wish I could do that, and they lived all their lives wishing, and they died and they are buried with that wish, and not realizing what they wished could have been possible in their life. What are those wishes that you are regretting? Imagine you're standing in front of God, and God says, oops, sorry, the angel made a mistake. You are not the person the angel got the wrong GPS address. You can go back now. I'll give you one more year. You came up one year early. I'm going to give you one more year to live and then you can come back. How differently will you live your 2021? Just imagine February 21st, 2022 is your last year to live on the face of the earth. How differently will you live your life in 2021? Will you live the same way you're living or... Will there be a change in the way you live? You know, most of us go through life like it is a motion. Someone said it's like flowing along the stream. Think of your typical day. You rise up in the morning. Some of us struggle to rise up in the morning. We somehow get out of bed. You do your morning duties. And then you are off to your work, your college, your school, whatever you're doing. You spend about 8 hours, 10 hours, some of us 12 hours. And then you come back and then you have some chores to do. You you watch something on Netflix, some binge watching here, something reading here, etc. You go to sleep. And the next day you get up and you go through the same motion don't we? We don't even think very often. And by the time you realize one day has gone by, one week has gone by, one month has gone by, and now one year has gone by, and now many years have gone by, here you are 20 years old, 25 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. You wonder how you reach there. Just going through the motion of life. Not living a very purposeful life. That's why I've titled today's message as intentionally raising your standard. Being intentional about our living. If we are not intentional about our living, we are just flowing along the stream. Wherever life takes us, we just go along. And that's why we have people at 35, 40 regretting saying, oh, I wish I had done things differently. My friends, you have a whole life laid ahead of you. You can either go through the motions of what is happening or you can become intentional and say I want to live an intentional life for God. And I want to raise the standard of my living in an intentional manner. Now when I say the standard of living, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about your financial standard of living. I'm talking about beyond that and you'll realize very soon what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 25 gives a story about a parable of talents. I know many of us know this story by heart. What you would not know is this is the last parable Jesus mentioned. And he talks about it in the context of his second coming. Verse 14 onwards, you read the story where Jesus says again, I'm telling you, it's like a Kingdom of God is like a man who went off to a faraway country. And you know the story. And to one, he gave five bags of silver or talon. And to another, two bags. And to another, one bag. And he said... He didn't give specific instruction. He just gave it to them and he left on a faraway journey. And he comes back and that's where we begin verse 19. It says, after a long time, their master returned after having given. Now remember, Jesus is giving this parable not in the context of just money. He is talking beyond that. The parable previous to this is about the 10 virgins who needed to be alert. Waiting for his return, the king's return. And then he is talking about the master returning. He is talking about Jesus' coming back. And he says, after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant of whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned Five more. And then the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this little amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Now he's talking about responsibilities, not about money alone. I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 22, the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. And again, Jesus says in 23, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this money. amount, Small amounts, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let us celebrate together. Then the servant with one Bag of silver came and said. Master I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant. And gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. And I, I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look here's your money back. But the master replied. <clears throat> this is what Jesus says. The master replied. Can you read that with me? You wicked. Wicked. And lazy servant, if you knew I have harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, can you repeat that? To those who use well what they are given, Even more will be given and they will have an abundance from those who do nothing. Even what little they have will be taken away. This is an interesting parable, isn't it? In the context of money. But what we are talking about in this parable is beyond money. It's about what God has given to each one of us. It's about the talents that God has placed within us. It's about the time that God has given us. It's about the responsibilities that God has given us. It's about the giftings that God has given us. The question that Jesus is going to ask you when he returns and when he meets you face to face is that what have you done with what I have given you? What has he given you? Some of us, he's given us a family. He's given us a job. He's given us an opportunity to study, he's given us an opportunity to serve, he's given us an opportunity to minister, he's given us opportunities to be a son, to be a daughter, to be a father, to be a mother. He's given us opportunities to be a sibling, he's given us opportunities to be a neighbor, he's given us opportunities to place us in corporates where we are able to have our job, each one of us, God has given us opportunities but the question to ask yourself is what are you doing with those opportunities that God has given you? We often think about, you know, this one man and we ignore him saying, oh, this five-talent man and the two-talent man, they did well. But I want to focus on that one bad man, the one who got the one talent. You know, many of us can turn out to be like him We make excuses because we think sometimes we are unsure of what God has given us. Remember I told you, we go through the motions of life. As we go through it, we are always comparing ourselves with others who have talents. Oh, I can't sing like that beautiful sister who sang. I can't play the music with that colored-haired man who sang, played the music. I can't, I can't, you know, do things what someone else does. You're always comparing yourself to others and saying, I wish I could be like that person or like this person. You compare your family and say, I wish I could be like that family. Jesus did not ask the man with two bags, why didn't you have five? Jesus did not ask the man with one bag, why didn't you have five? Jesus asked each one according to what he had given them. God has given you the talent. God has given you the things that he has given you, the opportunities that he has given you. He is not going to ask you, why can't you teach and preach like Philip or Prigi? He is going to ask you, what are you doing with what God has given you? <coughs> We get too busy looking around. We get too busy talking about what we don't have. I think of this guy, the man with one talent. He had all excuses possible, isn't it? I didn't know what to do with this one talent. He compared probably and said, that man got five, that man got two, I got too little. I am not as talented as the other man excuse to say, I have very little. And then he kept it. And then he must have said, I have no time. I don't understand the intention of God. Some of us search for will of God until they're 80 years old. I mean, in Moses' time it was okay, but not now. Not now. We don't live up to 80. For all you live, thank God for it. We need to find this, not, not excuses after excuses after excuses why we can't do something, but instead find a reason for what God has given you and how you can develop it and use it and being intentional about it. And my friends, when, when Pastor Prigi told me to preach here, he said, our church is a young church. That's why I dressed up in jeans and this colorful shirt. <laughs> I have a toned jean. I'm not so maverick enough to wear that. that? (laughs) Maybe the next time if I rub shoulders more with you guys, that can happen maybe. You know, why am I saying this? It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. Samuel learned to hear God when he was a child. When he was so young, Joseph got the purpose of his life when he was a teenager. Saul found the purpose of his life, the King Saul I'm talking about, found the purpose of his life when he was in his thirties. Moses got the call of God when he was in eighties. So it doesn't matter what stage of life we are in. Each of us can find that purpose. Don't wait For that auspicious day, it's not going to come. Years are going to pass by you, whisk past you, and you will be left old one day. And you'll be wondering, what in the world did I do? All you are doing is losing years and not adding value to those years that God has given us. And if we need to do that, we got to be intentional in raising the standard of our living intentional in standing and saying, you know, I want to do whatever I do in the best manner of way. You know, we did the Lead Like Jesus seminar here. I remember the first time I attended, there was a question that was asked and that rattled me a little. Rattled me thoroughly, particularly with regard to my work. I thought I was doing very well until that question was asked. And the question was, how would Jesus do your job differently? I couldn't imagine that question because I thought I'm better than the others around me. I'm quite okay. My integrity is better than the others. I don't while away my time. I'm okay. I'm doing this, etc., etc. You know, I felt good about myself until that question came. How would Jesus do my work differently? My friends, I want to ask you the same question. If Jesus were were in your place, how would he do your job differently? Maybe as a mother, as a father, as a corporate worker, as a worker in a factory, as a student, as a homemaker. Whatever God has called you to do, how will Jesus do the job differently? Think about it. And then ask yourself a question Am I living like Jesus? Or am I going through the motions of life? It's it's a tough question to face. If it doesn't rattle you, we haven't fulfilled the purpose of coming and hearing the word of God. It needs to rattle us to say, I want to be intentional, Lord, in the way I want to do things. I read a story about Alfred Nobel. You know, he was born in 1833. He's a scientist, he's a physicist, and em- I mean, he's a chemist, engineer, inventor. He has many, I think, 300 plus inventions to his name. And above all the inventions that he had, he is known for the ballistic missiles, you know, which are the precursor to the bombs that we have now. Those were the bombs that sort of destroyed multiple people at the same time. He was from Sweden and uh, Stockholm, he was born there. And in 1888, his brother Ludwig Noble died. And when his brother Ludwig Noble died, the French newspaper mistook, saying Alfred Noble died. And they printed Alfred Noble's obituary. So that morning he woke up to read his own obituary. Can you imagine that? <laughs> he read the obituary, and the obituary said, the agent of death is dead dead. Because he had invented bombs, this is what they had printed in the newspaper, the agent of death is dead. That shocked him so much. He said, what's the opposite of death and this kind of a warlike situation and someone said it is peace and then he went on to establish the Nobel Peace Prize. Which goes on even now. People win prizes for that. So he changed the purpose of his life. Once he came to know his life is not going to be remembered. The legacy that he's going to leave is going to be a negative legacy. He, he altered it. Now some of you may be saying, I'm not like Alfred Noble. I'm not old enough. I'm not going to die. Remember when I was 17 years old is when in one youth camp someone asked us to write our own obituary. Each of us had to write our own obituary to say, how would you like the world to remember you? What will be the encryption on the tombstone of your grave? Hard questions. You may say, Pastor Pridji, don't invite Phillips again. (laughs) My friends, if you don't know where you will end, your journey will be going along the stream. You'll be living other people's desires other people's dreams, other people's wishes, your own wishes in the fantasy, always living in the lack of saying, I am not good enough. And you know what's the word that Jesus has for the man with one talent who didn't do anything with it? He said, You wicked and lazy servant. Can I ask you to turn to your neighbor and say that? No, don't do that. <laughs> But you can look in the mirror and say. (laughs) Some of us are like that. Jesus Jesus does not. Christian ministry doesn't mean we do things lightly. There's an appraisal system Jesus has. And this is the appraisal system. He asks you. He gives you a task. You think it's only in corporates that you have appraisal system? Even here. Jesus gives you a job. He comes back to check how well you have done it. And he holds you responsible for what you have done. Some of us keep spiritualizing saying, oh God will help me, God will help me. But ask yourself a question, what are you living for? What is the purpose of your life? Don't generalize it. You know, coming back to the question, what will you be remembered for when you are gone? You know, John Maxwell is one of my favorite writers on leadership. I mean, he molded my leadership a lot in my early years. As I was reading, I still remember one of the the illustrations or stories he talks about his conversation with a teacher who had 17 years of experience. And he was conversing with her and he asked her, what are you teaching, etc. And she was very proud in saying, 17 years, I've taught third grade or fourth grade, whatever. I don't remember the grade she taught. But he turned to her and said, Madam, sorry, you don't have 17 years experience. You have one, one year experience 17 times. <laughs> Isn't that true for many of us? We remain where we are, not growing. The same experience year after year. 2020 went, 2021 will go, 2022 will go, 2023 will go. And we will remain where we are. Just repeating the same thing again and again. But the question is, are you willing to improve upon what God has given you? He's given you two talents, are you multiplying that? He's given you three talents, are you getting better at what God has given you? How does Jesus handle what God gives him? You want to know how Jesus handles what God gives him? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 onwards. This I know is regarding marriage, but this is also in the context of what Jesus does with his bride, the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for us. And verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church. What kind of a church? Before he became a glorious church, what did he do? He cleansed her. He sanctified her. He made her better by the word. And he made her better and better and better. That he can present her to himself as a glorious church. Not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing. But that she she should be holy and without blemish. God gave Jesus the church. The church was wrinkled up, blemished, without any kind of beauty. I wonder how Jesus can love us sometimes when he calls us his bride. But what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't go and tell God, this bride that you gave me is no good. But rather, he takes the bride that God gave him, he cleanses her, he washes her, he removes the wrinkles, he removes the blemish, he makes her better and better and better from glory to glory, strength to strength, so that he can present her to himself as a glorious body, as a glorious bride for himself. Jesus does that with us. The question is, what are you doing with the talents that God has given you? Are you making it better and better and better on a regular basis? Or have you stagnated in your life? Think about it. In your work, are you getting better on a daily basis? You know, I call my team and I tell them something very often. I ask them, if you were to prepare your CV this month, what are two things you will add newly in the CV of what you did last month? Most often, even after one year, people don't have anything new to add in their CVs. And I tell them, sorry, you stagnated. Same principle applies. You're a minister, you're a worship leader. You know, when I was when I was maybe 18 or 19 years old, that was several eons ago. (laughs) I learned guitar, or at least I should say I attempted to learn guitar. I learned three chords. And with those three chords, I learned three songs. Even now, if you watch me play, you think I'm a guitarist. But after the three chords, nothing new was learned. Even now, after 20, 25 years, only those three chords, only those three songs. You're laughing at it. Think of it. Many of us as Christians are like that. You ask them to share a testimony, it was a testimony which is 10 years old, pickled up. You ask them for share testimony of God's provision, it was when they came to know the Lord many years ago. What about on a daily basis, experiencing God, enhancing our relationship, so that we we don't just pull out those testimonies out of freezers, but we pull out those testimonies out of our daily living on what's happening today, and not on that glorious day when God chose us and picked us up. My friends, how do we get better? Now, Now I know very often you hear preachers will challenge you of where you need to be and don't tell you how to go about doing it. Right? So I want to give you some practical tips on how you can get better. And Listen to me, all of you are young. You have a good life. I'm not saying you only have 365 days to live. You have longer to live. But live as if tomorrow is your last day. And how do we do that? Number one, we look at define the purpose of your life. Define your purpose. What are you living for? Write down your mission statement. In Lead Like Jesus, we made everyone write down your own vision statement. If you haven't done it, if you haven't looked back into that book after you wrote it down, please go back and look at it. Write it down somewhere and put it. Because once you define your purpose, you not only know what to do, you also know what not to do. If Christianity needs to learn something today, it's learn what not to do. We run at every woman fancy, every evangelist, every TV person who does something new, we want to do the same. Define your purpose and learn to do what God has called you to do. What are you living for? Why don't you go back home and write down your own obituary and send it to Matthew Just kidding. You can keep it yourself. You know, these days, you don't mind, I know, putting it on Twitter, putting it on Facebook, putting it on Insta. Yesterday, on Twitter, I read about a lady who said, my husband is seeing someone else. I said, why do you have to put that on Twitter? (laughs) For the whole world to know your husband is seeing someone else, but that's the generation we are in anyway. So, coming back, you'll receive a lot of obituaries, okay? You can start an undertaker's business next. (laughs) Ask yourself a question, what am I living for? What is the purpose of your life? Even if you're a student, write down what is the purpose of your life. If you do that, you will be able to guide your life accordingly. And you, whether it's, you know, for some of us, for all of us, the purpose need not be that you have to be a full time minister. Please understand that. There is a marketplace where God wants the Daniels and the Nehemiahs and the Josephs. That's why for many years, though I teach and preach, many people have told me you have a heart of a pastor. One person said you have a mind of a pastor. Another person said you have an eye of a pastor. Okay, I don't know which other part will come. I said all that God has given me, yes, but God has given me a call to be in the marketplace And until he calls me, I'm going to stay there to be the salt and the light of the world. Find that purpose. Maybe for some of us, it may be that you're called to be a homemaker. There's absolutely nothing wrong in being a homemaker. You still can find a purpose to say, I want to be the best mom for my children. So that through my children, the John Wesley's and the Paul's and the Peter's and the Stephens are raised up. There's nothing wrong. What is wrong is when you try to move away from your purpose, looking at others and saying they're doing so much more. So define the purpose of your life. What is it that you want to live for? Secondly, identify the areas of change. What are some areas you need to make a change in? Personally, every year, I have a habit of setting goals, and we as a family do that now. We set goals to say, what is it newly we will do this year? What is it differently we will do this year? I have we, have, we set goals for ourselves in many areas. Physically, how do we maintain ourselves better? So we have exercising goals or dieting goals. Spiritually, how are we going to grow better in God? Maybe in terms of our... Fasting to increase. Maybe in terms of the study of the word of God to increase. Or maybe to increase our prayer life. We set goals for ourselves. Personal growth. In terms of my career, I put on saying, what are some things new I'm going to learn this year? What are some new technologies that I'm going to be learning this year? What are some leadership skills that I'm going to learn this year? Personal growth. I make it a point to read 12 books a year, one book a month. Not because I want to gain a lot of knowledge, because I want to learn to grow. Because God has given me that ability, I need to multiply that. Identify the areas of change. Relationship changes that you need to have. Identify what are those goals for 2021 that you have. What are the changes that you want to bring about in your own life? Maybe it's to just wake up 15 minutes earlier to do quiet time. That's a change, positive. Just get going on that and say, I want to be consistent with that change. Identify the areas of change. Thirdly, identify your time wasters. For every one person in your life who will catapult you towards your purpose, there will be 10 people who will pull you back from that purpose. So you need to identify what those time wasters are. You know, you, 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 can, you can make excuses like the man who had one talent, he said, I don't know what I have, I don't have time, I'm too busy with many things, no one told me about it. You know, all of us seem to be very busy these days, isn't it? Even during COVID time where 24 by 7 you were at home, you were busy. I don't know what you were doing, but all of us were busy. And we keep getting busy. But you need to identify and say, what in my list of things that I do on a daily basis is in alignment with the purpose that God has called me? If it is not in alignment with the purpose for which God has called me, I need to cut it down. I'll tell you one thing. One my personal example. You know, the iPhone, I know you have fans of iPhones here, has this feature of telling you how long you use the phone, right? I didn't know. I was a converted creature from Android to iPhone because office gave it to me. One day I saw it said five and a half hours I was on mobile. Then I just did a simple math. I said eight hours of sleep, morning duties, my waking hours is about 18 hours, 16 hours, let's say, of productive 18 hours, 15 hours of my productive waking hours. And I said, 30% of my waking hours is going on mobile? I said, that's too much. I set myself a goal to reduce that. Of course, I check my emails and everything office-related. Apart from that, I have set a calendar now on when I want to check my Twitter through the day in office, I don't go into Twitter first thing in the morning or maybe after lunch and after evening. Otherwise, I don't do that in between so that I don't waste my time too much. So identify. I don't know what your time wasters are. No one can say, is there anybody here who has more than 24 hours? Everybody has, but why is it that some people are able to achieve more and some people are able to achieve less? It's because the ones who have achieved more, they know their purpose and they cut out everything that's not in alignment with that purpose. You know, I learned one thing recently. Not only should I make a things-to-do list on a daily basis, I also make a things-not-to-do list on a daily basis. Because you can get sucked into it. And particularly when I'm in office, I can get sucked into several meetings because I talk well. Or maybe somebody says, I'm not able to talk to my boss, can you come and say this? I have to learn to cut it down. Identify what your time wasters are. I cannot tell you what your time wasters are, but you need to know what your time wasters are. It could be social media, it could be binge watching, it could be... Friends who just pass by and drop by and take away two hours of yours. Or it could be reading news or it could be whatever. I don't know what your time wasters are. Identify them and cut them off. Even if you use 30% of your time wasters, if you reduce, imagine the productivity that you will get into. You'll be raising the standard of your living. Next, how do you do that? Make use of white spaces. What do I mean by white spaces? All of us have a lot of white spaces in our day. You take a Ola to go from one place to another. 45 minutes you're sitting in the car doing nothing. Sometimes we just browse through. What are you browsing through? You also don't know. You're simply browsing through your mobile. Right? We, we look through the internet and mobile and social media not to see what is there. We look at it to see what else is there. Because you see something and you want to see what else, what else, what else, and what else. And that's a bottomless pit. It just keeps going on. Your 45 minutes goes off in a jiffy. Imagine in that 45 minutes, even 15 minutes if you had read a book. In a month you can complete one book. If you listen to one podcast and take one application from podcast saying, I want to learn from this and apply, you will be able to improve in your life and you'll get better at whatever you are doing. Make use of the white spaces. Sometimes it is you're waiting at the doctor's place. You're waiting for a friend to come. You're waiting for, these are all the waiting times where we are doing nothing. Maybe after sometime something good is going to happen, your friend is going to come, or your boss is going to come. How can you make use of that white space that is in between in order to say, how can I add value to myself in that time that God has given me? I have a word of caution here. A word of caution, our white spaces we may try to steal when it is not white space. What do I mean by that? If you are with people, that's not a white space. Learn to relate with people. It's when you're not with people, when you're alone, I'm talking about white space. In a few years back, I was sitting with this friend of mine. I met him after a long time and he was looking forward to meeting me. And I went to his house and I sat and we were talking just for about five minutes, and after five minutes, and he was on the mobile, relating with some friend who's not there in front of him, forgetting the friend whose friend who's in front of him. Okay, and you know I can be blunt. I told him straight. Listen, I came to meet you, and you don't want to relate with me who's sitting in front of you. You want to relate with some unknown Tom, Dick, and Harry who's away virtually somewhere else. I said, if you want to do that, I need not have come. I log into Facebook and let's chat. Isn't it? So, learn to differentiate the white space and space with people. When we are with people, be intentional in also relating with people. Don't forget to relate. Remember, if relationships is what caused God to send his son, Jesus Christ. If there's no relationships, Jesus wouldn't have come to restore the lost relationship. They are very, very important. Don't Think they're white spaces. Relationships are not white spaces. Okay? Number five, refine your relationships. What do I mean by refine your relationship? There are people in your life who add value to you. And there are people in your life who suck value out of you. You need to know who those people are. There are some people who are negative. I'm not prophesying. They will remain negative till Jesus comes. You can't change them. All you can do is get away from those negative people if they're sucking the negative uh, out of you and making all the positive go and taking only your energy away, get out of those relationships. So put down. There has to be intentionality in our relationship. I believe in one common thing. There is nothing called as a neutral relationship. In every relationship, either you're giving or you're receiving. If giving and receiving is not happening, it's a time waster. So try to refine your relationship. Don't just keep relationships for the sake of it. For the sake of it. It's of no use. Learn to cut down your relationship. Sixth, get yourself a coach or a mentor or an accountability partner. This helps. If you can share, of course at home now all of us share our goals with each other. We put on a chart and we try to see what we can improve on. We are accountable to each other. We evaluate at the end of the year to see how we have gone, whether we improved or not, whether we read the books we told or not, etc. So get yourself somebody. Share your improvement areas with them and say, every month can you check with me whether I'm improving in these areas? Every month have a meeting with that person and let him be blunt with you to say you're wasting your time or you're being productive. Or to say, yeah, you're improving in your life. Get yourself an accountability partner. Not only will an accountability partner help you to do the right, but they can also help you from keeping, keep you from doing the wrong. By asking you the right questions. And my friends, with, uh, with the story of what you heard about Ravi Zacharias, and uh, many of you would have followed him and followed the stories of what's happened. Now I'm thinking, I wish he was accountable to someone. Many things can be avoided if we can get somebody to be accountable with. Get somebody. None of us are good in everything. If you want to improve in some area, if I want to improve in a technology, I get in office what we call as reverse mentoring. I get somebody who's very young and ask them to mentor me, to teach me a new technology. Okay? Reverse mentoring. It can happen. What what if I preach for 30 years? If there's somebody who's better at doing something, let's say maybe playing a keyboard, I can learn from them if I want to do that. There's nothing wrong. So get some reverse mentors, get some mentors, get some coaches in your life so that you can constantly improve on what you are doing. Seventh one. Make small changes at a time. (coughs) Very often, I'm not sure whether you guys made resolutions for the year. Seven weeks now, I'm sure you don't remember what those resolutions were. <laughs> we put on very, very big targets for ourselves, right? You can put on a big target, but learn to make those small changes on a daily basis. For example, when I, if I want to learn to pray for one hour, I have to tell myself, let me start with 10 minutes and be consistent. And don't post that in social media saying I've learned to pray for 10 minutes. You'll stagnate there. Learn to continually improve. 5 more minutes and 10 more minutes and 10 more minutes. And soon you'll realize one hour becomes very easy. If you want to read 12 books in a year, all that you've got to do is approximately if you take any book, is about 250 to 300 pages. If you read 10 pages a day and 10 pages takes less than 10 minutes, That means if you spend 10 minutes a day, you can finish one book a month and 12 books a year. If you want to read through the Bible, if you read one chapter in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New Testament, you'll be able to cover the whole Bible in one year. So break it down and make those small changes. Don't try to eat the whole elephant together. You've got to cut it down and say in bits and pieces, how am I going to consume it, okay? Finally, I would say, Take pit stops. What do I mean by pit stop? you got to take time to think about am I making progress, yes or no? And be truthful with yourself. It can be every month, it can be every day, it can be every week. Okay, at the end of the day when I'm driving back uh, from office, that's why I sometimes don't like work from home because it gets so sucked in. I, I miss my driving times because those was me times. right? So... When I'm driving back, I ask myself this question. What are two things I did to contribute to the company today? And sometimes, believe me, it's hard to think. So that's a pit stop for me when I'm driving back. Okay? So ask yourself that question. You can take a time, day off in a quarter or day off in a month to think about it. But ask yourself on a regular basis, am I making progress? And that will help you. Now, I don't want to undermine the fact that many of us will have challenges. It's not as easy as I have put it down to intentionally keep raising your standard. Unexpected sickness can come in the way. Unexpected job loss can come in the way. Unexpected crisis in the family can come in the way. Several things can happen. But in all these challenges, as long as you're intentional, you may not make 30% progress. You'll at least make 5 to 10% progress. But if you lack the intentionality, that very crisis will suck you in and you'll lose whatever zero you were in. You'll go back to negative. So learning to be intentional. Why do we need to do our best? Let's read Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Bond servants obey in all things. This is what Paul is writing to bond servants. Those mean slaves who were there. Bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service. That means not doing things only when people are seeing. And then not doing when people are not seeing. As men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. I like verse 23. Whatever you do. Can we all read that together? Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. Whatever. You know the word whatever in Greek means whatever. In Hebrew it means whatever. Whatever means what? That's why Paul had to specify whether you eat or drink, do it for the glory of God. Some of us do we eat for the glory of God? (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) This should help your weight loss program. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever we do, wherever God has placed you, if it's in your corporate world, can I do my work for the glory of God? Very much yes, because if I believe God has placed me there, I'm the Daniel there to bring glory to God. Can I eat for the glory of God? Very much yes, because my body is the temple of God and I jolly well take care of it. And if I take care of my body, that's part of my worship to God. Can I study for the glory of God? Very much yes because God has placed you in that school or college or university and he's given you the intellect as a talent and you're multiplying that. As you multiply that talent, God says, this brings glory to me. My friends, whatever we do, whether it's at home, whether it's in our office, whether it's in our neighborhood. Some of us have a a wrong notion to say, only when I do things in church, it brings glory to God. It's a wrong notion. You read the Bible, there are more secular people's story than full-time ministers in reality. Because we are called to be the salt of the earth, not salt of the church. We got to be there in the world to make the difference. And if God has placed us where we are, if you excel and grow from strength to strength, and you're showing forth that excellence in your work, you are bringing glory to God. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. This you can turn to your neighbor and say. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a story I read about uh, in a book called, written by let me get this guy's name, Sam Parker and Mac Anderson. It's a book uh, called title 212, The Extra Degree. It's a book titled what they try to prove is this in that book, they say 212 degrees Fahrenheit that is, but if you take it in our, uh, in our terms it will be 100 degrees centigrade. So up to, when you heat the water to 80 degrees, is it hot, 85 degrees is it hot, 90 degrees is it hot, is it boiling, 95 degrees is it hot, is it boiling, 98 degrees is it hot, Is it boiling? 99 degrees, is it hot? Is it boiling? 100 degrees, is it hot? Is it boiling? That one degree makes the difference between just being hot to a boiling water. And that boiling water can steer a ship through a steam engine. That one degree difference. My friends, as Christians, sometimes we can reach that 90 degrees and say, I'm hot enough. 95 degrees and say hot enough. But God's purpose for our lives is not just to be hot enough. Our, our purpose is to be those ones who can steer a steam engine. To move forward and to boil and to say that one degree difference I will bring. So I don't know what God has called you for. If you are saying I'm good at 80 degrees, I'm hot enough and settled for that. I want to encourage you today to say, don't settle for it. Push it and say, intentionally I will grow. Intentionally I will make changes. Intentionally I will increase the standard of my living. No matter what I do, whatever I do, I will bring glory to God through that. I'd like to close this with this verse from... Paul, Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this verse. Towards the end of his life, this is what he writes and says. I have fought the fight. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not to me only, but to all those who loved his appearing. My friends, Will this be the statement at the end of your life if tomorrow God says you have only 24 hours to live? Remember the question we started with? Will you be able to say, I have fought the fight, I have kept the faith? If God says you have only one year to live from now, will you be able to say, I'm fighting the fight and I will keep the faith? and I will grow intentionally to get better and better and better so that I can reflect God's glory through my life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's the challenge I want to leave with us today, from the story of the talents, to say how you can intentionally raise your standard. Would you stand and let's pray together and commit ourselves to the Lord. Would you just close your eyes? Don't think of the person next to you. Don't think of the person who is back home. Just, there's a time between you and the Lord. Don't even think about whatever I've said. now. just a time between you and the Lord. I love the Holy Spirit to minister to you. He's reminding several of us of those areas which are slack, which are mediocre. Holy Spirit is reminding you of times when you compared yourself with others' talents and said you don't have enough. Would you repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry forgive me for comparing myself with others. My friends, would you make that commitment to God now as you whisper that prayer saying, Lord, help me to give my best to you. Help me to raise the standard of my living. of us have our weaknesses. All of us have our struggles. Would you commit those weaknesses and struggles to God now? Just lay it at his feet and say, Lord, in my weakness may your strength be made complete. Forgive us, Lord, for times when we've compared ourselves with others and felt we're not good enough. We've complained to you, saying we don't have talent, when you have placed all what we need inside of us already. Forgive us, Lord, for times when we've made excuses after excuses. Forgive us for times, Lord, when we've served you as an eye service as men please us and help us Father that whatever we do from this day on that we will do it for your glory Lord whether it's in our jobs whether it's in our homes whether it's in our neighborhood whether it's in our studies Lord in the universities where you placed us and colleges where you placed us help us Lord to show forth that excellence Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for downloading today's sermon. We hope this ministered to you and your family today. Connect with us at dreamingrevival.com and you are welcome to join into any of our Sunday celebration service at 11 a.m. Or you can tune in to our live stream at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed week.